This show is sponsored by IdealWorkspace.com, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desk. Check out their latest smart adjustable standing desk at Altizen.com. A-L-T-I-Z-E-N.com. Welcome to Analyze Asia, the podcast dedicated to dissect the pulse of business, technology, and media in Asia. In this episode, I speak to Matthew Brandon from ChinaChina.co on Tencent's third killer app, Honor of Kings, and their dominance in the gaming and esports space from China to the rest of the world. Hi, Matthew. Hi, Bernard. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, mate. How are you? I'm good. I got to meet your colleague, Samin, when I was visiting Shenzhen a couple of weeks ago. Ah, oh yeah, he did tell me that. And thank you so much for having that introduction and I really got some sense about Shenzhen during that period of time. But I wanted to ask you, how have things been in China? Pretty good. Apart from as we found out just before recording this, I'm sure many of our listeners already know that Skype is banned. <laughs> I'm having to use my VPN this time to have this conversation with you. So this is part of the trouble of, of, of living in China. Things do change fast. But you know, to be honest, there's not many Skype users in, in China. We're, we're very much in a, a minority using this, this application. Well, it was definitely make my interviews with China is going to get very difficult as the next couple of months go by. And I'm talking to Matthew Brennan, co-founder of ChinaChina.co and the host of China Tech Talk, which now I'm listening almost religiously every week. So since our last conversation, what have you been up to? Since our last conversation, I think that was, was that before the conference? Yes, it's just before the conference, yes. Yeah, so we had our conference, it went really, really well, as well as could be expected. And uh, we sold that out. And after that, had a little break, relaxed, now getting back into things, a couple of projects going. I'll be at TechCrunch next week in Shanghai. If things are going well, starting up on, on the book again. So hoping to get that out. That's that's the main project. The book is regarding WeChat, right? Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. <laughs> I've been talking about it for, for so long, like just like we did a hackathon eventually. I've been talking about doing a hackathon almost a year and then eventually we did it. I feel the book is the same. I've been talking about it for far too long. Need to need to actually get down and, and, and get into it. So what happened to the chat conference you organized in September 2017? What are the interesting topics that actually people are now thinking about or talking about about WeChat ecosystem in China? Hmm. Well, I mentioned the hackathon already. I thought that was a highlight because we covered mini programs and uh, mini programs are taking off now in China finally. They're really gaining traction. So there's a lot of interest, especially from the agency side. I think a lot of them are getting requests from their clients now to build uh, e-commerce mini programs. Another trend is definitely key opinion leaders. Um, that was a hot topic last year. It's It got even hotter this year. I think a lot of people have come around to the realization that this thing's not going away, that it's getting bigger and more important. And it really is the way to go if you want to get a good return on investment for your marketing buck. So specifically for the key opinion leaders, what are the key issues that are of interest in the WeChat ecosystem? Is it more of like trying to drive more traffic towards your public accounts or driving more mind share, content share into the platform itself? Yeah, well, it's usually brands want to smaller SMEs. They want to, you know, do they want to sell. They care about selling and key opinion leaders. It's a gray area. It's so different from other channels because it's very human. 
So you're not, it's almost the total opposite of programmatic advertisement where you sort of just push a button and it, and it goes out and the algorithm does the work in terms of targeting. Here, it's a very human process where you're working with a, usually with an individual who has a, has a trusted voice and, and has a very large audience, but you, together you need to create some very tailored content. And uh, if you do it well, it, it can really, really work and have a much better effect than just a traditional digital advert. A, a lot of brands are struggling with it still uh, and getting it right. They're using bad techniques like tr treating it like a press release, for example. Uh, a lot of KOLs complain about that. You know, oh, I'm working with this brand and they just want me to push their message. And that's not really going to resonate with my audience. I want to do it this way. It's about trusting the influencer as, as a content creator. and allowing them to tailor the message to their audience in a way that they feel is authentic and will resonate. That process is, is much more complex than, than, than other methods, really. And of course, this particular topic on KOLs and WeChat in China is probably one podcast episode by its own, but not today, right? Today, we're going to talk about something much more interesting. Yes, yes, definitely. I have well, <laughs> equally interesting, <laughs> equally interesting. I think, I think it's very unfair on me to just call you just the WeChat guru because I think you have a pretty in-depth understanding of the company Tencent of the BAT. What I thought was interesting and I saw your Twitter messages recently was you brought up two very interesting points that you talk about is actually that Tencent's history is incorporated on 11th of November, which is actually turns out to be the double 11 or Singles Day now, the most important e-commerce event of the year for China to the rest of the world. And then the second part of it is that it bypassed the market cap of Facebook, which I actually think that it should have happened a long, long time ago, given the ARPU per user for WeChat is far more higher than ARPU for users in Facebook. I think it's a 7 is to 1 ratio. Before we get into the main topic of today, which is actually we're going to talk about Tencent's third revenue stream, which is the, their gaming empire and also a on the topic of Honor Kings, what are your perspectives with all these news that came out? Tencent's market capitalization that's now higher than Facebook. Right. Well, that, that's pretty big news. I mean, it's a, it's a real milestone. Of course, market capitalizations go up and go down. I mean, by the time we get this podcast out, it might have completely changed and then they switched back around again. However, the trend this year for Alibaba and Tencent has been pretty impressive. Now, they've had well over 100% growth within the space of, of, of less than a year for their share price. Unfortunately for me, I was I, at the beginning of the year, I was recommending people to, to invest in Tencent because I, I felt so bullish on mini programs. As it was, many programs have taken about half a year to, to get their act together, and, and now they're starting to have an effect. But in, in the meantime, what we're talking about today with gaming, I think, uh, has gone extremely well for, for Tencent, and that's been driving a lot of the results in terms of revenue and profit in terms of mobile gaming segment for their revenue. And then the other big trend, of course, is WeChat Pay. And the payments is a segment which is covered under others in their revenue has been going pretty it is not not quite exponential, but it's 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 very strong, very strong. So these are the two main core drivers in terms of revenue growth. I think people are waking up to the fact that Tencent has been playing a, a, the the long term game in China. That they're not just a social company. Today we're talking about games, but you know we could do another episode on music, for example. Tencent dominates the music ecosystem in China, so they're slowly coming to monetize that segment and there's other examples of where all across the board where they hold very strong positions 
in, in different markets in the app economy and have really only just begun to monetize them. So it's quite exciting times for Tencent. We'll just have to see if, how far it goes. Uh, a lot of people are talking about internationalization of Tencent. You know, when are they going to internationalize? You know, they're only big in China. Uh, is a common criticism of, of the company. I, I think it's unfair because they already have internationalized, at least in gaming. And I think we'll cover that today through some from large acquisitions that they've made previously. And they still have a long way to go in China in terms of what they have yet to achieve in terms of monetization of the amount, amount of traffic that they have. And of course, we didn't mention that Tencent just IPO, the online literature company actually is books content, right? Yes, exactly. So another good example. Yeah, that's right. So to be seriously honest, their market cap can definitely surpass Facebook, given that Facebook's only revenue stream is only advertising. And the fun part is that WeChat hasn't really turned on its advertising on moments yet. No, that's the irony is that WeChat has been very conservative, I think would be the correct word in terms of advertising. And again, it's another common misconception that WeChat is the core driver of advertising revenue. It's just one channel because they are very conservative. They're not like Facebook. And so uh, a lot of the advertising revenue is driven through other channels. A good example would be Tencent Video that would previously was under brand advertisement in their revenue. I think it comes under media now. And so there's a lot of every time you play videos on that platform, if you're not a member, you're likely to see some form of advertisement because that generates a lot, a lot of revenue for them. So it's a little bit murky in terms of individual platforms for advertising revenue in their financials. We, you know, They don't give us all the details, unfortunately, but it's clear that it's a segment which is not growing as fast as the other areas. I think they definitely have a bigger runway as compared to Facebook because Facebook is only having their social media assets in terms of Instagram, in terms of WhatsApp. They hired Dave Marcus to run the Messenger, but Messenger to today is not even close to what WeChat is really in China. So coming back to this whole gaming thing, Tencent has built out a third revenue stream within a company other than advertising and payments, and that is gaming. Very few people know that this is really their third most powerful revenue stream. Can you briefly describe the efforts of Tencent in this space and what gaming revenues are as part of the whole company's revenues and profits in the company? It's ironic that people still feel that Tencent is a social company primarily. When you look at it in terms of revenue, it's clearly at its core how they monetize is through games. And you could argue that Tencent is a gaming company at its core. 41% of revenue in, in this last quarter came from games. And actually, that's been going down as a percentage. So about two years ago, it was over 50%, I believe. So games are incredibly important. In terms of monetizing the, the app economy in China, 95% of all revenue from apps comes from games. So that's why Tencent and Apple have such an important relationship, because when Apple reports that their income in China for services is, is increasing rapidly, what they actually mean is that the gaming segment, predominantly uh, ruled by, by Tencent, is doing really well. So Tencent creates an incredible amount of revenue for Apple in terms of the gaming segment. I think they're number one in the world globally for app downloads and also for app revenue on, on the App Store. So I'll just give you some idea of how dominant they are. And they've been dominant in this space for gaming in China for quite a considerable time. In fact, Tencent is the world's largest gaming company. I think it's been the world's largest gaming company for a few years now, four or five years. And it started from so so it started from QQ way back in the day with titles like Crossfire 
like Dungeon and Fighter, which are PC titles. And these titles have been around for a long time. They're extremely popular in China. Well, these were named, these were titles which Tencent introduced to the market a long time ago, a decade ago. And they've moved successfully from the desktop titles onto the mobile. And as of the last quarter, revenue for mobile games finally overtook PC desktop titles. It's clear that the mobile freemium model is the future of, of where this thing's going. Tencent is particularly good at the freemium model where you download the game for free and then you're paying for usually small amounts for things like upgrades in terms of how your character looks in the game or maybe some points or digital virtual currency in the game in order to do extra things. In China, culturally, people are willing to pay to win. Pay to win is not such a big deal here, whereas I think in other markets, people think that's a little bit unfair. So that also helps Tencent in their monetization efforts, where you, you can pay to get an extra, a character that's particularly good or, or a weapon that's particularly powerful in a game, and that will give you an advantage. And now, uh, recently, they've uh, released some new mobile titles, which have done extremely successful. And the big one that everyone is talking about in China this year has been a title called Honor of Kings. Honor of Kings has got some other names as well. Outside China, I think it's called Arena of Valor in some other markets. A game where you play together with your friends. It's a very social game. Uh, it's a sort of battle arena game, as it were. This game has been extremely successful in China, has driven a lot of uh, results this year. And also there are other game titles as well, right? Like, for example, Players Unknown's Battlegrounds or LOL. Yeah, League of Legends. So League of Legends was was a very big title for, for Tencent and still is. In fact, Honor of Kings is a mobile version of League of Legends, which is a des- primarily desktop experience. That game was created by Riot Games, I believe, in, in uh, which is an American company, which Tencent acquired. They bought that out in 2013, I believe. Yeah, they've made some big acquisitions, Tencent, in this area. So Riot Games is one of them. Actually, wasn't wasn't too big in terms of money, but... For that title, League of Legends, it was a very important title for them. Supercell is the other big acquisition that they've made, which is a big name, a Finnish company, uh, which owns the title Clash of Clans, which I'm sure a lot of listeners will know about. Maybe they played. It's a globally an extremely big mobile game. And so that was one of their biggest acquisitions. So it's quite interesting because uh, there was a great article for, in Bloomberg recently where they interviewed Martin Lau, president of Tencent. In that, they made they confirmed what we kind of knew before, but was never officially said, which was actually Tencent was also bidding for WhatsApp at the time that Facebook bought it. So, and actually, according to the article, they came quite close to buying it. But at the time, the CEO of Tencent, Pony Ma, had a back problem. And that's why they didn't travel over to the States to go and see them. You know, that was an incredibly important acquisition for Facebook. And Tencent was also at the time talking to them. So they missed out on that one, but they didn't miss out on Supercell. They went for that one quite hard. And I think looking back on it now, it was a great acquisition for them. They're in a very strong position in gaming now, and not just in China, but also globally through acquisitions. I think in other markets, we're going to see this play out as well. Recently, it was let slip that Tencent owns 12% of Snap. Actually, quite surprised there hasn't been much more talk of that because when Tencent invests that much money in a company, it's quite a big deal. And it's quite clear there's going to be some 
kind of cooperation there, I feel. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But uh, I think that's also a big move from Tencent. And I think recently, Tencent also increased its stakes on Snap when the stock price actually start falling. So there could be a potential round two battle between Tencent and Facebook, but with a proxy through Snap at some point. Exactly, exactly. So when we look at other markets, in China, the main enemy of Tencent is Alibaba. So how do they compete with Alibaba in terms of e-commerce? Well, they team up with JD, but they have a strategic alignment with Jingdong. That's the main sort of uh, way that they they have a presence in the e-commerce market. So Jingdong, not only do they own a significant part of Jingdong, but the relationship is very close. And it's almost like Jingdong is the e-commerce arm of Tencent in some ways. The relationship is good. I could see a similar thing playing out in the States market where Snap becomes almost a proxy for Tencent in that market. If, you know, right now it's not, obviously, but there are signs that both sides are very friendly. There's a clear common enemy. It makes a lot of sense for them to team up and try and work together in different ways. It was interesting because yesterday I was at the TechCrunch meetup for Singapore and one of the companies that have recently exited with an IPO, C, or formerly known as Garena, is also invested by Tencent. And the president of C, which is uh, Nick Nash, made this very interesting point about the top eight gaming companies in the world. Okay, and of course, stop. And of course, said that well, one of their investors is Tencent. And if you think about the top eight, you would think of in the US, there's EA, Blizzard, Valve, and then when you go that in in Asia, there is Tencent, right? And then of the other two, which which is Supercell, which is in Europe, and of course, Riot Games also in the US, also now owned by Tencent. So literally, Tencent is actually biggest key player in this gaming market. But one thing I wanted to ask you a lot more is, is that a lot of us know Tencent with two killer messaging apps. One is QQ and one is WeChat. And I know in a recent episode on China Tech Talk, and that was, I thought, was a great episode that you guys have done, is that there is a third killer app for Tencent, which is Honor of Kings. And I know you described a little bit about it just now. Can you tell me why this app is so addictive and viral and why is it taking China, whether it's China within or China outside by storm with this game? Yeah, I feel a little bit, I just want to put one point out. If you're not a gamer, a lot of these titles and a lot of these things are difficult to understand. I would recommend if you are interested in, in Tencent, you know, go and download and use these games. It's, it's, I try and use all these titles. And, and Honor of Kings is a game that I downloaded earlier this year, um, January or February, I forget when, quite early, because it was clear it was becoming very important to the company. And I started playing it and I got totally addicted to it. <laughs> <laughs> I had to delete it from my phone and reinstall it and delete it and reinstall it. And finally, I got off it. But I realized, you know, why it's so popular. It's very addictive. And I did spend money in the game. I bought uh, something for a character for about 30 UN, which well, that's about $5 that I spent uh, on that game. It's a very social game. It's something that you play with your friends. So I think Tencent has really cracked the code in terms of socializing their games. And it's a game that works together well with QQ and WeChat in terms of you can share information about your ranking. You can invite friends to play the game with you through their messaging platforms. So they've really worked out how to blend the two experiences better. I think that's an important thing looking forward to how they might work with Snap. And I think it's an important thing in general because gaming is a very social activity. I think that's why Tencent originally got into this area. In fact, recently there was a great interview by Y Combinator with David Wallerstein, who is uh, the chief exploration officer of Tencent. 
And uh, he, I recommend anyone who's interested in this area to go and watch that interview because he gives a, a good, solid background of the of, of Tencent in this area and how they got into gaming. Basically, it was because they were worried about gaming taking over. That, that people, it's a very social activity, and people might want to just socialize in games rather on their QQ platform. It's an inherently social experience when you're playing these multiplayer games, and Tencent's been able to blend that. And together with Honor of Kings, is basically, a, as I mentioned before, a mobile version of a, of a title on the desktop that's already globally very successful and a huge game in China. And they were able to take the experience and bring it onto the mobile phone and get the controls right and get it so that it's a very fluid, natural and good control system. And also because it's a multiplayer game, another final point I want to make is that from a technical standpoint, it's possible to do such a game on the mobile phone. There's a lot of technical challenges to get over in order to get a very smooth experience, especially over like things like poor Wi-Fi environment to make the game playable. It's a five on five game, so you can have ten people playing this this one game all on their mobile phone. People made a point about that, saying that. There was a lot of technical challenges for them to come overcome, and uh, they were quite proud of the job that they did on that. So all of these factors combined has led into into this game becoming a massive success in China. To give you another example, you know, it's got to a stage where if you don't play the game, you can feel like a social outcast in certain social <laughs> social situations. So there have been some articles out there of people complaining Chinese things. Oh, you know, I'm a at work everyone's playing this game and, and if i want to get a promotion with my boss i need to i need to play honor of kings with him and let him win otherwise i don't have a chance of getting getting a promotion it's really reached that kind of level i also remembered in that conversation you and john did in the china tech talk they also have a very strong offline play with honor of kings can you talk a little bit about that i think in in general, Tencent has been putting this esports concept quite hard in China. So esports being in video gaming as a legitimate sport where you offline they have tournaments and people come and teams of usually quite young guys, but some increasingly women are, are there as well to play the game live and, and battle each other out. And this concept is pretty big across Asia. I think it's uh, it's very big in Korea, uh, for example, as well. But it's, it's sort of still in its early stages here in China. And Tencent is investing a lot in that because I think it's got a lot of monetization beyond the game in terms of merchandise and ticket prices and things like that later down the road. And it, of course, it increases the stickiness of the, of the game and, and builds the ecosystem around the game a lot. So there's many, many benefits. Uh, I think it also in increases the IP, the whole thing as well. So yeah, that's that's something that they've been pushing quite hard for sure. So it's kind of like you could even play when you're inside restaurants, and then you could even interact with the TVs inside the restaurants in this kind of esports format. Is that is that how I understand it for Honor of Kings in China? Oh yeah, I mean there's that as well. I I got, it's got to a stage. I was in Shenzhen a couple of months ago. <laughs> I remember watching. Honor of Kings being live streamed in a restaurant on the TVs, and I was quite surprised that it, that it would reach that level. And then you, know, you go into coffee shops, and you'll you'll see groups of young people playing the game together socially. You'll see you can even see couples play the game. I, I remember seeing, distinctly seeing a couple uh, play the game next to me in in a Costa coffee shop when I was working. Because when we think of gaming, we don't often think so much that we think of it sort of a, as a male dominated experience. But actually, Honor of Kings is very popular amongst women, very popular. And I've even seen some statistics that said that maybe there's more women playing it than men. So that's also quite unusual. And that's a very good trend for, for Tencent. I thought one thing I should ask you, because you've been to Thailand recently and you also saw Honor of Kings 
in Thailand, which is Southeast Asia. I know that Honor of Kings is going to go big very soon in Southeast Asia. What do you observe when Honor of Kings is outside of China? So outside of China, I think Honor of Kings, uh, again, changing the name, which uh, I, I'm, not so, I'm not so confident that Arena of Valor is a, is a good name, to be honest. But hey, you know, they, <laughs> it's their choice. I'm not an expert in that. But going outside of China, they are localizing the game. I think Chinese companies are pretty good at that, actually. They are better than the states in terms of realizing that localization is important and that you need to, you should localize your product. And so, for example, in the, in the states market, I think they're introducing a whole bunch of different characters into the game, one of which is Batman, and the gameplay might be altered slightly and things like that. But I have not played the international versions, so uh, it's a little bit <laughs> difficult for me to say how, uh, in terms of the experience, but I look forward to doing that, actually. I should, I should try and uh, download it, but I'm a little bit loath to start playing the game again because I know how addictive <laughs> So you're playing the game in the name of research, right? Well, yeah, let's see it. I mean, you can say that, and it's true. I think it really does help you understand the company if you use their product. Tencent's a very product-focused company. They, they care about product a lot, and it's one of their core strengths. So if for gaming, as I, as I mentioned earlier, if you don't play these titles, gaming industry, when you, when you listen to a podcast and they're talk, maybe you're interested in Tencent, but you don't play these games, you might get a little bit lost with the titles and understanding, you know, what, what does this actually mean? I think investors must struggle with it a lot, institutional investors, because they, the, the gaming industry has, has titles that come up and become popular and go down. And if you don't actually play the games, it's very difficult to understand why they become popular or how or why they become unpopular. So, yeah, there is an aspect of I think it really does help you to understand if you actually use the products. To give you an example, uh, Bernard, there's, there's one game. So this is very, very you know timely information here that just a few days ago, Tencent announced that they are now the key distributors in China for a, a, a Korean game called Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. And this is a sort of a genre of games. This, this is the leader in this genre of games, which is sort of battle royale games, which have become very, very popular. It's the hottest category by far right now in gaming. And it's been a, a trend that's just come up very recently. And actually, for Tencent, they're also releasing their own titles in this area. And then they've licensed for China, the, the market leader. And NetEase, which is the number two in this market for gaming in China, also has a very popular title in this area. Yeah, uh, if you listen to the last earnings call on Tencent in the, in the Q&A session, there was a lot of investors asking about this because it seems... So there's been a shift in the industry uh, if recently with these battle royale games becoming extremely popular in the second half of 2017. And uh, Tencent just announced a few days ago that they've um, they've uh, licensed it exclusively for China, the market leader in, the, in this category, which is a title called uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, which is a Korean game. And um, and they've also releasing their own titles. They quickly, very, very rapidly putting out their own titles in this area. Uh, and NetEase, which is the number two in gaming in China, uh, also has a very strong offering in this category. Um, so it's, it's a, just a good example of how the tastes and trends in this area can change quickly. It's nowhere near as stable as the social aspects of their of their uh, empire. So for social, you know, it's quite famous that Facebook, for example, no one can compete with them because once you have that network effect, it just stays there. So it's very difficult to shift the social network once everyone's on it. it um, even if you have a better product, it's not going to, no one's going to use it unless you have that critical mass. 
Uh, whereas gaming is quite different. The tastes can change. Um, and this is a good example. However, it seems that Tencent seems to be on top of it, and uh, they're, ma- they're moving very rapidly to also lead this new segment, which has become, uh, you know, suddenly ro- rising popularity quite quickly. Um, I think one thing that probably people don't realize is that Tencent is actually very good with not just gaming, but entertainment and content business. And it seems that there's a common thread across all three that they actually glue it together using the power of messaging apps, which is actually WeChat, which is the social element part. And that actually gives them a way of extending that into these kind of very strong entertainment and media-like sectors of the Tencent empire itself. And I think, is that how I understand it correctly for at least in how Tencent is approaching gaming? Because gaming is a lot about content, right? It's about which is the hottest titles of this week, or it could go into a new genre as well. Do you see that to be the case? Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I think both Alibaba and Tencent are trying to license different IP and move into entertainment, move into movies. As I alluded to before, Tencent leads the music market. So content is extremely important because it's a a differentiator. In terms of intellectual property in China, it used to be the case many years back that it just wasn't respected and there was piracy everywhere. And now that's changed a lot. And it's changed because of it's now in the interest of these companies to protect IP. They've realized that it's a way to differentiate their offerings. And so they are enforcing it quite heavily. And so we're seeing systems where Tencent and Alibaba are leading the way in terms of IP protection in China. And this is a trend, I think, across the board. As things mature in this market and as China itself increasingly files patents and develops new techniques, develops new technologies, it's also for the, for the broader economy, the government also realizes that they need to start protecting IP. So that's a big trend in itself. Content is a big way to differentiate your platforms. So we see this a lot in the video market. So in the last earnings call, Tencent made a big deal about how Tencent Video is now leading the video market. So Tencent Video is you know, equivalent to, kind of equivalent to YouTube, we could say. And so they're, they're starting to lead that market. That's key. Now, the video market is one where um, it's all about gaining exclusivity for content. So whether that's something like House of Cards, which is incredibly unpopular in China, or maybe it's a Korean drama, or maybe it's some movies, having those exclusive on your video application means that users will download and use it. One of the big elements from the last Tencent Global Partners Conference, which was in Chengdu earlier this month, when, when I was there, I was speaking to people. The big annou- One of the big announcements was there was a, putting a lot of money out there to help user-generated content. So uh, a lot of the big platforms, especially Totiao, have been doing this, where is this professionally generated content is also important, but user-generated content is also incredibly important. And retaining on your platform, they stay for the good content. So that battle for content is really quite fierce right now in China. I'm going to just ask you the last question because I know that the Chinese newspaper People Daily has written a very scathing column on honor of kings regarding people's addiction to the game. And you told me about yours as well. So how does Tencent mitigate these issues with the game that is so addictive, so viral in China? Yeah, it's a good question. There is risk, I feel. I think it's kind of the Achilles heel of gaming because the fact is a lot of the revenue that comes from these games is coming from people who are addicted to the games. It's coming from young people and playing a game all day is not good 
for them. It's not good for society. And so I do feel that this is underlying risk that Tencent has in the gaming. Well, all of the gaming companies have is that the Chinese government doesn't like that. It's clearly misaligned in terms of the incentives that of, of the government and these companies where they make their revenue from making very addictive games. And that's not good for society. So I think they do need to mitigate. And, and to be fair to Tencent, they, they do make changes to their games and they do enforce systems where, for example, parents can check how much time that their children are spending on the games. There's actually a, a little uh, official account on WeChat where as a parent, you can track your child's QQ number and you can track your child's WeChat number. And those are the two logging methods that they will use to log into games. So it's kind of like in the outside China, you might use Facebook logging or you might use Twitter logging. In China, you use QQ or WeChat logging is quite common. Through that, you can link your child's account to your account and see exactly how much time they're spending on the game. And you can, or across multiple games, as long as it's 10 cent titles, you can actually limit the amount of time that they, they spend in those games. Uh, as a parent so they are definitely putting in place systems that help but i I just feel no matter what they do there is that sort of inherent conflict where for them they make more revenue from being more addictive but the government doesn't want that matthew it's always a great time to converse with you on everything to do with not just wechat but tencent as a whole and i'm definitely going to take you on on the one with music at some point so in closing Can you recommend a book, podcast, or anything else that has a major impact to your work and life recently? Oh, I think there's lots of good uh, little podcasts cropping up. The podcast area has got um, quite vibrant, I think, in terms of China content. So obviously, we have our one, Techno. A friend of mine opened the China Influencer podcast uh, recently, which is a you know very niche topic what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast about influencers about KOLs in China and so that would be a good a good listener if you're interested in that topic so that's China influencer podcast and it's it's done by a friend of mine uh, I think that for that particular very niche topic that uh, she really knows her stuff and said that would be a good one of course I would love to recommend your book on WeChat at some point so let me know when that's done so my last question how do my audience find you yeah you can find me on Twitter as we talked about before getting more active on Twitter you can find me on LinkedIn as well and of course WeChat those would be the three big ones for me at the moment and you can find me at Bernard Leung or at BernardLeung.com and you can subscribe to us on iTunes Stitcher SoundCloud Acast and also TuneIn and of course Google Play in the US market of course tweet to me Please give us a five-star ratings on iTunes Store or even give us a star on Overcast. And of course, I would always love to read out your feedback. So once again, Matthew, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you, Bernard. A pleasure as always.